This is Randy Pfizer, CEO for AGU, and I'd like to welcome you to part two of Third Pod from the Sun Takeover on Allyship. We are talking with uh, Billy Williams, who is the Executive Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at AGU. And we are also talking with Lisa White, who is Director of Education and Outreach at the Museum of Paleontology at UC Berkeley. Um, she's also Chair of the AGU Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Committee, as well as an EO Science Advisor. And we've been talking about um, the work that AGU has been doing historically and even in the most recent time related to diversity, equity, inclusion. And I'd like to, in this part two of this, kind of go deeper into some new programs that are coming down the line and also getting some perspectives on the changes that we've seen from uh, particularly Lisa, your perspective as a scientist that you feel have been taking place over the years. Um, and I thought maybe we could start there. You mentioned when uh, you started in AGU as an undergrad and attended your first meeting in San Francisco, that it was a very homogeneous group. And you had some programs that you were able to take advantage of within the organization, but you also started immediately stepping into some leadership roles within the broader community. So that's a great history to, to pull from. So thinking about from where you started in geoscience to today, what can you tell me and our audience about what has changed or shifted in your mind um, and in your experience? I would say the shift to greater expectations among the leaders in, in geoscience. I, I think about the initial diversity programs that I directed uh, as a faculty member at San Francisco State University, and they were very focused on the student experience. We were, we were working from a framework that today we would call fixing the student. You know, it was very much assumed that something was lacking in the background or training of the students. Perhaps their high school was inadequate or they didn't have the right kind of exposure to science or lacked role models. And so we were busy trying to mold them as we saw a, as a scientist should be. And, you know, we'd use terms like the, the pipeline you have to get students in the pipeline as if there was only one way you could enter a career path in geoscience. Yeah, that, that's great experience to, um, to share and an obser observation about how careers, uh, we, we used to talk about this as there's no longer a career ladder, it's a career lattice. Um, and giving that people the opportunity to move into different areas and pathways to advance their, their life. Most people don't want to be in the same job 40 years of their life now um, and movement around organizations and, um, and within organizations and within institutions and um, within careers is um, I think such a, the depth and the breadth that you get from that is so powerful. So acknowledging that and, and, and rewarding that is such a, a wonderful thing. So th thank goodness uh, we're more enlightened now and you hear analogies that are closer to uh, pathways over pipelines, you know, acknowledging that uh, students, early careers, young people bring a lot of different kinds of experiences to studying sciences that, that we should embrace and respect. 
And we should also look at ourselves, look at the culture and climate that we present students with, you know, in departments, in professional societies. And it's not them some of the time. It could be us and the institutions that you know, are so traditional that can frankly be a, a complete turnoff to uh, students that we hope to attract to the discipline. So I'm grateful that more of the, the burden is on those who are in a position to shape programs, make systemic changes, uh, and lead in a way that will hopefully result in longer lasting change. And and I know um, Billy will highlight the AGU Landing Academy, which is really about building those skills and professionals to you know, shape change in departments. Before we get on to AGU Landing, um, you know, Billy, you have started your career at Dow Chemical um, and you're now at AGU. So if you wouldn't mind doing similarly as Lisa did, sharing what you've seen change in the, 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 the world over the, that tenure of your career. Uh, thanks, Randy. Happy to. Uh, so a lot has changed over my tenure. I've, I've spent my entire career in science although at different scientific-related organizations. Um, my longest tenure was with the American Chief, with, with the Dow Chemical Company. Then I worked at the National Academy of Sciences and then over the past eight years with, with AGU. So I'm a chemist by training. I, I call myself a synthetic organic chemist by training, although if you put me in the lab today, I probably <laughs> would destroy the whole thing. <laughs> so it's been a while. Uh, but in chemistry... I remember back in my early days at Dow uh, that there weren't a lot of black chemists. There were a few. And I remember attending my first uh, meeting of the National Organization of Black Chemists and Chemical Engineers. It was held in Boston, Massachusetts. This was in the early 80s. And I was I didn't realize uh, how homogenous my <laughs> world was until I attended that meeting and saw this breadth of of other black chemists, uh, high-profile chemists in the meeting. And so I knew I wasn't alone anymore. Uh, not that it had inhibited my career, but I felt like, oh, yeah, so there are other people like me and we can get some stuff done. So uh, from that period on, I've always looked for role models, and I've also tried to act as a mentor to others when I could. So I think one of the things that have changed over that period of time uh, from the time I was using other chemists as role models, and they weren't all black either, uh, is that you have a wider breadth of mentors who can help support your career. You see a wider, a more diverse group of mentors who are available, and you see people in higher level positions than, than what they were in the, in the uh, 90s or late 80s. And so a lot has changed in terms of the participations, and this was not in the geosciences, but in STEM as a whole, I would say that we've seen some broadening of activities. The other thing I will say is uh, the international perspective, because at AGU, again, we are an organization that 40% of our members are outside the U.S., and so you can't have a singular U.S. view uh, of diversity. And I had some international experience while I was at Dow, and I think that's come to serve me well here in this position. So I think this this view of DEI, what it means more broadly, more holistically, is is important as well, and that has changed over over the uh, 
the past uh, 10 years or so. But one final point, building on what, what, what Lisa said in terms of expectations, I think mentorship in the past for people in science has been, if you're a mentor, that the, the people in authority were gatekeepers. They were there to probably keep people out as opposed to being groundskeepers who are there to cultivate and make sure people, when they come in, can thrive. And I, I heard somebody use that analogy, and I really love it because I think that's that's been the shift from people in authority positions in geosciences, from being gatekeepers to keep people out, to being groundskeepers to cultivate people when they come in. So I, I like that shift that we're, that, that we're still going through, but we have gone through that. What a great way of framing that and, and such a great history um, from, from both of you. And, and really interesting to watch the trajectory of Dow as well as a company. I mean, now being led by an openly gay man um, and the president of North America, who happens to be a good friend of mine, um, Luis Vega is Hispanic and openly gay as well. Um, they they really have made some great strides um, as AGU has in, in its organization as having a CEO who happens to also be openly gay <laughs> and senior and senior leadership in the organization uh, reflective of our society. So, and you mentioned mentorship and and a real important component of, of that. I think is embedded into AGU landing. And I'd like to, to kind of pivot the conversation um, to that program that, that Lisa, you mentioned earlier, because it is new um, for AGU, um, but builds off of the great history of work that we've been doing. So Billy and Lisa, could you talk to us a little bit about um, AGU landing and, and sort of what the framework of that is and where it's going and how people can engage? So I'll start on this, Lisa, if you don't mind. Uh, so landing is a program envision to develop uh, and cultivate cohorts of AGU DEI leaders in geosciences. So in this program, we will bring through, I'm going to call classes of cohorts of individuals who are ready to, who are poised for leadership and to influence at their institutions and give them the expert exposure and experiences that will allow them to truly make change and, and lead others. So that's, that's part number one in, in landing. Part number two is to establish a landing community of practice where we have we will have a rich library of resources and tools and webinars and, and experiences. So anyone can come into the community of practice regardless of what your background is or where you're starting and cultivate a path where you can uh, gain and learn more. That's great. Go ahead, Lisa. 
Yeah, Randy, and I'm excited to be an advisor uh, to AGU Landing. And and Billy said so many key things that we need to expect from leaders if we are to initiate change and sustain it. And And one is to admit that leaders need training. You know, so many academic professionals, you know, assume their leadership positions because they've been there a long time or it was their turn to be chair or a dean, you know, opening came their way. But there's often not much in our background that gives us uh, some of those necessary skills that you need, especially around diversity and inclusion. And so recognizing offering a um, series of opportunities through the training of, of cohorts of individuals, having uh, a library of resources that will be readily available um, is, is key. And, and I wanted to men- mention also that you know, it's easy to take for granted words like diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, we use them so much now, but there's a reason why uh, we do need to attach equity and inclusion in any conversations about diversity because just because you might be hiring, you know, an additional uh, person of color or you've, you know, expanded the the gender balance in, in a department does not mean that everyone is being treated equally or has all of the opportunities to advance in the same way. And so we need to make sure our community is very well educated on what kinds of uh, practices it really does take to have, you know, a truly inclusive department or, or university or unit where people can excel and, and lead themselves. And so, you know, embracing that, you know, need for, for training um, and take opportunities to do just that, I think is really important to our community. Such a wonderful program and such important observations, Lisa. I know throughout my career, uh, being in cohort programs and and leadership programs have been incredibly important to my success. Um, Going to your point earlier, Billy, it it helped to push through those gatekeepers and and those folks who weren't necessarily um, helping to bring you through the organization. Um, But having that network that helped to break through those ceilings that, that existed um, were important in my, my life. And then building off of something you said, Lisa, is the, the, that when I was able to be in a position to return that gift that was given to me, the importance of getting trained and how to be a mentor and how to help to bring people through their career goals and through their career things and not apply my career goals to them and, and sort of say, this is the pathway, follow it but to instead be there to um, to support, to nurture, to listen, to care. Uh, and then love the observation around the, the inclusive environment that's necessary in an organization in order for diversity to grow and to prosper. And I know it is really important to listen and to observe that environment that you believe you're creating within your organization, but to see does that translate into behaviors and actions within the, the, the whole organization as a whole and not just be lip service. 
is so important. So such profound words from both of you. <laughs> um, I know we could go on for, for hours on all of this, but we don't have hours. Um, so I, I would love to maybe um, with this last question is to pose a, a question to both of you for the folks who are listening. And you know, the, the theme of this is around allyship, which really is folks who may be in a position to assist others different from themselves in, or similar to themselves uh, because they might be in a position of authority now to, to reach out. So what can inst individuals do or what can institutions and organizations like AGU do to continue to, to make movement forward around all of these really important issues? And Lisa, I'll turn it to you for that to start. Thank you. Well, I was having a conversation uh, with some co-PIs on a, a new project where we were distinguishing between mentoring and allyship, and and they are different. And we said after you know some discussion that mentors are typically appointed, and there's a hierarchy in a mentor-mentee relationship, but um, allies are invited. You know, they're invited in your space and there is an expectation that they not um, try to, uh, I don't know if interfere is the right word, but an ally should be, you know, a, a support to an individual that is may still be figuring out their career. And, and there's some things to be learned in all of that because it's tempting sometimes to overreach you know, we, so many of us are motivated, re-motivated to invest in diversity, equity, inclusion, and you often don't know um, exactly where to start, or you bring some of your own baggage, frankly, you know, to an ally, allyship interaction, because one might be trying to work out, you know, what was, was missing you know, in their own training. And so I think we want to continue to challenge members of our community that to do this work for the right reasons, um, that we have our focus on what's really good for the enterprise. And sometimes we have to take our personal selves, you know, out of it in order to be, you know, good allies, good supporters, and, and ones who are willing to work uh, for change over the long haul and not be too distracted or discouraged, you know, by short-term gain. We really do need to commit to this for, you know, the long run. That's wonderful. Billy, some final words from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Just to build on what Lisa just said, I think allyship is something uh, that that we're all capable of. So you don't have to look for somebody else to do that, to be an ally. So why aren't you doing something? This is something we need to look to ourselves to, to be involved with. And also we'll say that there are, if you want to get involved, don't know how, there are uh, webinars, training, contact me. We can get you set up to on situations how to be an ally. Uh, and the other thing I will say is that uh, one of the things about AGU leadership is that AGU leadership goes down through uh, some form of diversity inclusion training on a, on a semi-annual, on, on a biannual basis. And so if, if you are out there, don't know where to start, do two things. Look up AGU landing and get involved there. 
or you can contact me if you want to know more about allyship and how you can make some changes on your own. So thank you for, for that question. Sure. And, you know, as somebody who's been working in this area for over 30 years, the continuous and lifelong learning is so important. You can never stop learning and uh, you can never have learned too much. <laughs> and and I think, you know, your, your component about that, the commitment to allyship or diversity, equity, inclusion isn't a a moment in time. It is a lifelong journey. And um, I, I love that. Um, and obviously, AGU as an organization is on that journey as well. And as, a, as an institution learning and evolving and changing. And so much of that is because of the work that, that you two have put into this organization and into this profession as a whole. So I want to thank you both so much for your dedication, your leadership, um, your commitment, and for your, your selfish and servant leadership, selfless, I should say, sorry, I said selfish, didn't I? Um, selfless and servant leadership that you provided to this community. It's just, I, I'm humbled to be in your presence. And with that, I also want to say um, thank you to our audience for attending um, this part two of our podcast on uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and allyship. This is your third pod from the sun takeover. And I am Randy Pfizer, CEO of AGU, and I want to thank Billy Williams and Lisa White for, uh, again, their leadership and for joining me on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.